Welcome to the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit, the number one place for inspiration to help you start, run, or grow a winning business. I'm Johnny Quirk, and each week we bring you some amazing guests from a wide variety of businesses, all talking about their journey, motivations, and top tips for entrepreneur success. We deliberately aim to bring you stories, interviews, and real people who are fully deep in the trenches, building their businesses, and sharing actionable insights that you can use for your own entrepreneurial business journey. So whatever you're building, we're excited to be part of that journey with you. If you like what we do, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get on with the show. Hey guys, Johnny Quirk back once again here to support your entrepreneurial journey. Okay, cool. So today I'm delighted on the show to say that we've got Hannah Cox from Better Not Stop. Hannah, great to have you here. Great to be here and to see your beautiful face. Why, thank you. You know, it's, uh, I have been trying my best, new moisturizer and all that. So uh, in your own words, uh, can you tell us uh, what your business does and uh, tell us like, who your customers are? Yeah, it's uh, pretty simple, clues in the name. We're just trying to make the world better. So our main way in which we do that is we show consumers and businesses just how easy it is to have a positive impact on the planet through your actions. Yeah, brilliant. And what kind of gave you the idea? You know, where did the passion come from to start this particular business? Um, I guess the, the the name kind of came up about seven or eight years, oh, a bit longer than that, nine years ago. Uh, my dad uh, died. It's a bit of a sad beginning to the story. Yeah. But he had had a job his whole life. He'd worked for a huge um, multinational corporation who just before he reached the age of retirement, restructured his department so that his pension would be um, half what it would have been. So he basically just gave his life to someone else's company and um, kind of got shafted at the end. And when that happened, um, he just was like, you know, you should never be waiting for kind of your you know, honeymoon stage in the end of your life to do all the things you want to do. You should definitely be thinking about doing them now. Don't settle and yeah. don't stop. Um, so the kind of idea behind better not stop came from that. And then the, I guess what we do as a business just comes from the things I'm interested in, which is creating social change and environmental impact. Yeah, very hot topic right now. And, you know, uh, high five to yourself for obviously kind of doing this because, you know, we've all got these kind of uh, big goals that we're hoping to achieve in the next 10 years in terms of carbon emissions and a better world. I'm hoping we get there and people like yourself obviously playing a major role in it will, will obviously help us get there. The Better Not Stop name has evolved over time. Or I should say the business name has stayed the same, but, but, but obviously the, what you do has evolved over time. This isn't your first rodeo in terms of, you know, creating your business. Tell us more about some of the other kind of ventures you've had uh, as a solopreneur before. So it started at university. I went to uni and I'd had no financial support from my parents. So I had to have a essentially a full time job in a restaurant while I was at university. And I had to I had to um, work all the kind of student nights. So I missed out on all the good nights out. And the only student night I could go to was a Monday night, uh, which was crap. So I figured <laughs> if I make a better night out on my yeah. night off work, I'm killing two birds with one stone here. So I basically got my first part of my student loan, yeah. put it down as a deposit to hire out a nightclub for two months on a Monday night and started a club night, basically, yeah. uh, as a way for, to encourage my friends to come out to a night that they'd actually want to on my night off work which then evolved into me putting on gigs at university, running like a music promotions business, yeah. moving down to London, working in the event industry down there, 
moving up to Manchester, working in festivals, all kind of, all kind of growing my uh, skill set. And then the Better Not Stop idea came around and I started to put on events that were more based around um, well-being and um, how we can make our own individual lives better. And then I thought I, this needs to be bigger. I want to make this happen within businesses because then I'll yeah. be able to help more people. And one of the problems I was originally trying to solve with Better Not Stop as a business was stopping entrepreneur, entrepreneurial burnout, occupational burnout and organizing travel experiences, which meant that entrepreneurs could both travel and work on their business while they traveled. And obviously, with the C word, which is a completely new C word, <laughs> 12 months in. Yeah, um, I don't even mind the original C word on this show compared to the new C word, because actually, I think we're all fed up of that. But it's true. Tell us about that. So, yeah, so um, I started, think, I decided, right, this is, this is the idea. So I stopped yeah. all my event work, stopped that business threw all my money and all my time into creating um, a concept of travel experiences for entrepreneurs. I flew over to Korea for a month working on it. I traveled over to Mexico to work on it, loads, putting all everything into place in, in 2019. And then obviously at the beginning of 2020, um, the world completely changed. And that just was not something that I could either offer or was the priority for business owners. So that's why I then spent last year restructuring and deciding how I could differently help business owners and individuals make an impact. That's amazing. I mean, already in the space, I think about five minutes there, we have a, a rich tapestry of entrepreneurial <laughs> journeys here, people. But I think, yeah, I think being able to pivot now is so strong in terms of you realizing the way the wind is blowing. It could be a few years before that kind of travel industry really kind of comes back. I think also solving that problem is such an important thing. You know, we've introduced uh, a number of entrepreneurs on this show over the last few weeks. And, you know, everybody literally is coming from the, I had this kind of either, you know, scratch to itch, or I could really see a problem that I wanted to kind of get stuck in. Plus, I imagine your SEO domain ranking is, is kind of pretty crazy because you've been obviously at the better dot stop for, for so many years now. Uh, you know, we always talk as well about how can you kind of almost copyright your ideas or stuff. I, I guess if anybody comes in from the outside and goes, wow, Hannah smashed it with this new business idea, they won't be able to track what you've kind of done online, obviously, because it's, you know, been gone on a journey. Um, let me ask you about your background. Obviously, you mentioned uh, your dad before and stuff like that. Um, you know, do you come from an overall entrepreneurial family? You know, what kind of gave you the entrepreneurial bug? No, um, not at all. I'm the yeah. only one. Um, my dad worked full time his whole life in the for the same company. Yeah. Uh, uh, my mum was a stay at home mum, and then after my dad left, she became a school teacher, and she's yeah. worked at the same school for I think. 20 over 20 years now um so not from my uh, immediate family or even from you know, my aunt uncle's uh, grandparents yeah i think i just always i we didn't have any money so when yeah. i went to university i knew if i wanted to make money i had to make it on my own yeah. and i think when i was putting hard work into things i liked the idea that if i worked on something i really enjoyed that was the benefit I was getting anyway. I was used to having no money, so it didn't matter if I continued having no money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and also in other jobs and other roles, the idea that it didn't matter really how hard I worked every month, my paycheck would be the same. Yeah. Whereas I could almost try other things that could potentially mean my paycheck was higher. 
um, made me be, I'm not very risk averse in that, in that sense, because I'm so used to having no money that yeah, it's, yeah. that it, that wasn't something to be scared of for me. And like, in terms of that, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I've seen you work close hand, you know, and, 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 you know, and I use this word in the best possible way, everybody out there, hustler, because it's kind of true, you know, you're not like kind of like a pool hustler or something, you know, I've never seen you say, right, I'll, you know, let's play a, a rack here, you know, it's 10 pounds <laughs> or this, but you know, you, you work hard, you get on with it, you do that. What, what's your kind of attitude in terms of how you react if something isn't kind of going your way? I mean, like, how do you adapt with that? You know, like, like, how were your emotions when say, you know, let's say the word COVID hit, you know, was it a, was it like a, holy shit, I need to kind of like, you know, get this sorted straight away? Or was it a process? I'm just interested how you kind of flip from one idea to the next and still keep your motivation high and still really excited about the next thing which you're doing. I think the, the thing that I struggle with as an entrepreneur, and when I speak to other people within my circle, we, we almost all have the same issue, which is, we create these boundaries on ourselves and these rules within our work of what we want to be working on or what we think we should be doing. And actually, sometimes it can be really difficult to remember, well, I made this construct of rules so I can change it. So, um, for example, when when COVID hit, you know, I really had at that point thought this is my calling as a business owner. Like I'd found it, you know, after all these years, this is what I meant to do. And then, you know, the world went, no, you're not actually. (laughs) You're definitely not going to make any money from that. You wasted wasted that time. And um, also now you're in loads of debt because of the business loans you got out. So that was, I was stressed from the point of view of, I'd had, I'd previously been in a lot of debt and been debt free for quite a long time. And that had been almost this financial risk I'd taken because I was so sure this idea was going to fly. Yeah. And then I was proved wrong. Um, and that was, um, I wouldn't say humbling, but it's just, it sometimes feels embarrassing. You know, you think, you think you're right and then you're wrong. Yeah. And it's almost having to come to terms with that yourself. Um, and I do find that, I did find that difficult. And I think anyone who says otherwise is a liar. Yeah. Because yeah. when you are an entrepreneur, you're doing it because you're passionate about whatever the thing is, the problem is you're trying to solve or yeah. the itch you're trying to scratch. So when you're wrong or when you fail, it's, it, it is a very personal thing to go through. And it's like, it is, yeah. it's like a breakup, you know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, even if that breakup you think wasn't your fault, you know, you were still involved in it and well, your all of actions, your emotion is in yeah. it as well, you know, you're fully in, aren't you? Yeah. So, um, I try to give the, I try to take the advice that I give other businesses that I work with, which is you created that construct, that boundaries, that, rules for yourself and your business so therefore you can change them and break them and make new ones yeah and uh and i think that's a healthy one but i agree you know when you go fully in and it's your it's your new idea your new baby you've kind of like mapped out how that's going to go in your mind you know you're constantly living in the future it's like because if you're not projecting where you want to go or what that great future is going to look like then your motivation is just be rock bottom because you're not going to get out of bed every day and get excited to work on that so i think that's quite healthy and i, I think also being able to identify like we talked about earlier on about those trends and where the world is going i think obviously in terms of the b corp side that you're doing now the environmental issues the carbon i think it obviously you know you are in such a hot industry like no matter 
for this way, business is, is, is being incentivized to change, but also kind of like consumers are as well. So there's that kind of perfect kind of crossover right now in terms of where this industry is heading as well. I'm also interested in knowing, um, you know, as a solopreneur, a solo founder, you know, what, what your kind of working patterns are like. I mean, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into <laughs> kind of like, you know, some of your tips maybe for other entrepreneurs, other solopreneurs. But I'm interested just to know, like, you know, like, let's say you have a blank piece of paper, you know, like, what, what do you spend your days and your and your weeks doing? You know, like, how do you prioritize? I'm interested to know more. OK, so I've ch- I've changed my routine a bit this year, um, but I would say pretty much always one of the rules has been I don't work after six. Like yeah. it's rarely if you, I've got a big project on, I might work up till 7 p.m. But six o'clock is like my cutoff. I'm making dinner. I'm cooking a nice meal. You won't see me going back to my computer in the evenings. I haven't had my emails on my phone for years. I only just bought social media back onto my phone uh, as a marketing tool, but I have very strong boundaries on how I use that for business because my all my social medias are almost like a personal brand for my business as well. So yeah. I have to, I it's not like a leisure thing for me, so I have to put boundaries on it. This year I've been working from around eight nine in the morning until six o'clock in the evening often i'll finish earlier because especially when you're doing a lot of creative work sometimes your brain kind of stops working around two or three in the afternoon um and i like to try and get out and have a walk when it's daylight so sometimes i will i still will only work till six but i might go out for a two-hour walk in the middle of the day um i don't work the weekends But often on the weekend, you might find me doing something that is related to my job. So I might be um, doing a course, which I'm interested in learning more about for work or reading a business book based on something I'm planning on using in the future. Um, But more like um, consuming information rather than creating anything. Yeah. And yeah, so I basically time block my my days, Monday to Friday, plan out my week in advance. I have quite a strict schedule. I only have meetings on a Tuesday morning or a Friday afternoon. And if you can't uh, make a video chat with me, then I I feel quite privileged today. This is a Thursday we're recording this on. So thank you for breaking the rule. (laughs) This is Yeah, break the rule for you. Uh, I'll occasionally break that rule, but it's it's almost so that, you know, when you're having back to forth emails with someone like, when are you free? When are you free? I just have a calendar and I'm like, this is when I'm free and you've got half an hour. So I'm not ending up having, you know, two hour long meetings. And I use I use a bit basically paper. So I'll 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 map it out like this yeah. at the beginning of the week, and then at the end of the day, I'll just use a marker, and it will be marked whether I actually did it or marked whether I didn't. And if I'm starting to see I'm not getting all the work done in the day that I had planned, I'll then adjust accordingly the next week what my schedule is. Yeah, I think paper is such a big thing, really. You know, I, I remember reading about um, the guy who set up BrewDog, you know, obviously, you know, a beer, big beer fan, big BrewDog fan as well. But he actually says he has two desks in his office. OK, that's pr- pretty much kind of living a fly life there, being able to afford two desks in your office. But he says he has one desk for a computer work when he's actually switching onto that and one desk, which is literally just for paper and pen and actually doing that. And it really helps to separate that time between it, really. I agree. I write loads of pieces of paper because actually if I find I'm doing it all online, there's just too many distractions and crossover. You get stuck into other things. So 
I also know as a business owner as well, Hannah, um, you also do freelance work as well on the side. I think that's really smart because obviously, you know, you need to make sure you have income that's coming in at the same time. How do you feel about kind of doing that kind of like freelance work and fitting that into your schedule? You know, like obviously it's a good way to bring in extra cash, obviously, when you need it. But do you find it kind of disrupts your kind of like main kind of, uh, you know, like main business that you're running? Or is it just something, again, which you feel you can pick up a few hours here and there? It, it depends on the project. So previously, I think there's a balance as a as someone who's trying to start up their own thing and someone who also has freelance work of remembering, yes, you need to pay the bills, but if you don't um, give your, your own projects and your own business enough time, you're going to be constantly in this seesaw effect of having to pick up the freelance work because you haven't invested the time into your business to make that the thing that's making your regular income. So it's, yep. it's a bit like this. So I made the decision to only take on freelance work that doesn't fit within the better not stop B Corp sustainability mold. Yep. If it's a project that I really believe in and would be happy talking about on my better not stop channels, or if it's, um, yeah, basically, that's it. As long as it aligns with the values of what I'm trying to do as a business, I'll get involved. In the past, I got involved in other stuff yeah. just because it was like money now. Yeah. Um, and while I don't regret that because I paid the bills when I did it, I yeah. have really learned how to say no to opportunities. Yeah. I guess as well, you've got to keep yourself fairly streamlined as well in terms of where your thought processes are going. Like you said, if you're doing something right now, which actually still aligns with your main business, brilliant. If it doesn't, then it can be sometimes hard to go in and out of those. You know, I've done it in the past where I've had two or three things I'm working on at the same time, but it's very hard, I find, to segment that if it's not kind of like around a similar subject as well. So, yeah, definitely. Cool. So we're now moving through to this part of the show on the Go Solo show where we're asking for some of your top tips about how other solopreneurs could potentially build out their business. So you've got a lot of experience in the last, say, you know, 10 years, let's call it that, in terms of running your businesses. You know, if somebody right now wanted to go and start building an audience um, so as they could sell in a product, a service, whatever, you know, we, we always talk on the show about building an audience as the first step to actually obviously sales and building a community and customers. Where do you think they would be able to kind of go and build an audience and what platforms would you recommend? So the platforms I'm really enjoying right now are, I like LinkedIn is a really good platform. I'm a B2B business, so it's mm. a good place for me to share my, my personal values with other business owners so they get a bit of an idea of what my business is about. Um, and it also maintains that professional relationship that you have between yourself and the other person. Yeah. I'm enjoying Clubhouse. Um, I'm doing a lot of stuff in sustainability and there's quite a few people who are putting on weekly sustainability shows where as another sustainability business leader, you can go on and almost introduce yourself. Yeah. So I'm finding that's a really great way to connect with people as well. And Twitter is good if there is a hour of often there'll be like weekly hashtags going on, which will be within your industry. So for yeah. me, I have on Mondays at eight o'clock, there's something called ethical hour, which is at ethical hour. And yeah. you can get involved in a Twitter conversation with other Twitter users and be introduced to them, their businesses in that way. Um, so, yeah, I would look at platforms which you enjoy being on. 
Um, And also I would look at who's doing stuff on those platforms and how can you get involved in their conversations and and connect with people that way. And just realize it's a long game thing talking to people online and don't expect any results quickly. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of true. And I guess you've also got to add value as well to the, you know, I, I hate to call it the marketplace, but it's kind of true, you know, like. You can't just be turning up out of nowhere and hope to start making sales tomorrow. Otherwise, you get on a bit of a slippery slope, spending money on social media ads or whatever, just to kind of keep pumping your business. I think going organic and sustainable is the best way to do that to start off with. I was going to actually bring up Clubhouse anyway, because I'm quite interested in that. I see that you're getting quite active on it. You know, I see notifications on my phone popping up. Um you know, what, what's your kind of motivation in terms of your business? Is it just more profile? You know, are you seeing much value or like you said, is it more of playing the long game and seeing that it's such an early stage, getting in early now might be the, might be the right way to go? Um, I think even going back to that community building stuff, always give people a newsletter to sign up to. I find the best, I, that's where I get some really good um, relationships built with people who are signed up to my newsletter. I mean, I had someone email me last night who mentioned that I'd written a post about a London bridge challenge two years ago. And he wrote to me and said that he'd, he'd run it the other day because he'd read my blog post. And then he sent me some books he liked. So now, we've kind of started wow. this friendship up, which well, is really, say, really like best friends here. Yeah, which is, it's really, really <laughs> nice. Um, Clubhouse. I like because it's, it's live, it's drop in. You, you just, it's, it's not something you can really prepare for because you're not sure what mm. the conversation is going to be around. And I hate to use the word authentic, but because it's live, you know, you can't edit out what you say. So you get yeah. a real sense of, when the person's talking on Clubhouse, what kind of person they are and what their values are. And that's really interesting for me because it's so much social media is very curated and even podcasts are edited. And, you know, so if I said something, for example, on this podcast, I was terrified about getting out in public i could ask you to edit it and you could edit it and no one would ever hear it i still wouldn't edit it but but the potential for that to happen is is there yeah, um is. whereas i feel like clubhouse you are feeling like you're just dropping in and listening to a conversation it's almost like eavesdropping and i love to sit in a cafe and people watch and because i can't yeah. do that now Clubhouse is like the second best thing. It's kind of true. I mean, you know, I've I've joined a few clubhouses and uh, it's great. You know, I think obviously like all early stage products, you know, things to work out, you know, the the intros kill me a little bit in terms of everybody on the call spending it, you know, before you know, half an hour has gone and and you're still listening to the intros. But I really love the concept in terms of that. It'd be interesting to know the stickiness behind this. Um, What kind of, I know you've hosted a few kind of things on there. How, have you had much pickup in terms of people actually directly contacting you from that? You know, how big have your audience been from Clubhouse? Small, totally small at the moment. I'm, I think Clubhouse, it seems to me, is about consistency mm. and not just showing up to host your own things, but showing up in other rooms and talking to people on there. So it is a bit of a, I think, a long game if you're using it as a, a lead generation uh, tactic. I'm more using it as a way to see what other people are talking about in the same space yeah. I'm in. What are, what conversations are people ha- having? What are people interested in hearing about is quite mm. interesting. And it seems to be because a lot of almost forward thinking, modern 
business owners are on there because they are early adopters of the platform. They're also the kind of people that um, will answer a DM uh, or answer a tweet because they're kind of excited to talk to people in this way as well. So yeah. I've connected with a couple of business owners that I had previously um, added on LinkedIn, but we hadn't actually had a conversation. But now we've got this kind of mutual love of Clubhouse. We've got something to talk about and, it, and it's made our business relationship better. I guess you've got that kind of outreach as well. You know, like, like you said, something in common. You can say, hey, I was in that clubhouse, me, or whatever. Um, because I think sometimes these things can be fads. I don't get the impression this is a fad because I haven't felt like this excitement for a new social platform for a long time come along. You know, Twitter and LinkedIn, you identified though, they're both great, especially for B2B business as well. But actually something at Clubhouse is something quite fresh. So it's kind of quite exciting and interesting to dip your toe in there because again you know i guess it's a bit like investing in bitcoin this year you know like if you put some money in who knows where it could go if you'd have lost that small amount who cares really so it's a bit like clubhouse you dip your toe in see how it goes if it becomes something big great you know if you're an early adopter and early on the platform it could work yeah and i think it's it takes less of your attention than other social media and i think people like it because even though they are on their phone on clubhouse they can just have their headphones in and they can be cooking dinner or they can be doing the laundry or just how basically whenever I would have been listening to a podcast before, I've yeah. replaced that, I would say, 80 percent with instead going into Clubhouse and seeing what conversations are happening at the moment. Yeah. And I feel like I'm learning and educating myself in a lot more topics and with a lot more variety of things than when I've been listening to podcasts in the past, because it's almost like, oh, well, there's someone talking about um, Elon Musk being on here last night or someone talk, you know, or someone yeah. talking from startup radio or something. And I'll just dip in. And if it's interesting to me, I'll listen for longer. And if it's not, I can just dip straight out. It's interesting, isn't it? Again, like, you know, it can almost feel like it's being validated right now because Twitter are coming up with their own version, which will be out soon. Wouldn't surprise me if Spotify are. I know Spotify put a big, you know, bet this year on podcasting in terms of their investments. So it'll be interesting to see where they see that going. If, like you said, you're a example of the of a, of a trend, you know, that 80% of your podcast listening has gone down because of Clubhouse, when it becomes more mainstream and more people invited, it'll be interesting to see where that attention goes. So really interested to see. And again, great to see you on it as well. And again, trying to leverage something new to, to push your business as well. It kind of leads me on really nicely as well to, to my next topic I want to chat with you about. And that's about business development. Because you know, business development is so important, whether that's B2C or B2B. But you know, I'm really interested to know how, maybe what tips that you would give for somebody who wanted to get in the door with a potential client or a potential partner or something. You know, we live in a world where LinkedIn is full of spam, really. You've, you know, you want to talk to the right people, they don't want to talk to you, or they want to talk to you and you don't want to talk to them. It's very hard to kind of cut between what's good and what's bad. So what would be some of your tips if you had like some top business development partnerships or client partnerships you wanted to develop? Like where would you start and how would you suggest this to other people do it? So this is exactly why I've started the Better Business Network, because it helps you as a business owner create relationships with other business owners, because you never know where those relationships will lead anyway. I mean, we've known each other for years yeah. in a variety of different roles and we've crossed over in so many different ways. But if we just initially thought, oh, you do this job and you do that job, we've got nothing in, 
nothing in common with each other we probably wouldn't be having this conversation now you know i think when we yeah, met yeah. we just shared a co-working space but we were both we in did. very different industries <laughs> yeah, um, i'm still waiting for the rain to fall through the roof like it was <laughs> this was back in the untrendy co-working space days you know <laughs> Yeah, before co-working was a thing, I think it was a, it was it more, was. you can't afford your own office, so sticking with some yeah, university more like, students. I hope there's a fire exit in this building or something, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, you know the back of some uh, like warehouse or something, but yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've had, I, I say, business relationships with people for maybe 15 years, and it's maybe only this year that it's like, oh, there's an opportunity for us to collaborate or work together. I yep. think if you've, if you've got a specific... I would say if there's a specific person you want to speak to, my advice would always be follow them on their socials, see where they're, they're most active. If they have a newsletter, sign up to it. And then if you get their newsletter and there's something in there that resonates with you or reminds you of an article you've read or something like that, yeah. everyone loves, as someone that writes a newsletter, everybody loves it when you get a reply saying, thanks for that newsletter. I really enjoyed that. This is yeah. what I liked about it. And I've had replies from people like Cal Newport, uh, The Minimalists, um, yeah. all sorts of, you know, famous people in my area just from me saying I'm enjoying the content that they're bringing out. And I find emails really powerful way to do mm. that because it doesn't get lost in the notifications. Everyone's always looking in their email inbox every day for the really important stuff in their business. Yeah. And if they're getting something from you, even if it's just a thank you, they're going to associate that relationship with an important business thing. So if it's someone's particular, I'd say that. If not, think about what communities have the same values as yours. Yeah, okay. So look for those kind of like, you know, like you said, the, the high quality leads that you want. Find out where they live. Sign up for their newsletters. Be relevant and personable to them as well. Give their, I guess maybe the follow up from there is like, how do you make sure you're not spamming them too much? I guess you want to get their attention, but how do you maybe evolve it to the to the next stage of the conversation? Is it again offering something highly relevant to them, setting up a call? Like like where does it go into something where it might be a sale or it might be a, you know, some kind of positive uh, experience? So, I've. I would say just go into it not expecting anything. Don't go into it asking. Don't go into it telling them what you do. Like no one cares about yeah. what you're doing. They only care about what they're doing. So, yeah. you know, I tend to sometimes I'll just say I just really liked that newsletter because it's true. I did really like that newsletter. I did really like that article. And then if yeah. I get a response, great. If I don't get a response, fine. You, you don't have to respond to me just because I emailed you. There's this fallacy that because someone sent us an email, we need to respond. And we don't. Yeah. You can just delete it. And it's fine if they do that to you as well. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, if they don't reply to your first email, send another, send another, you know. Mm. I would probably say reach out to them, thanking them for something they've created or done that you've appreciated. If you think you've got something relevant to send them later, then send it later, but don't turn it into this sort of like, and then if they don't reply, then I'm going to send something else in a week and in a week, a week. I would say yeah. send something. If you're really keen to get a response to them and you think you've got something else that you could share with them, they'd like give them at least a week anyway. I mean, I get so frustrated where someone sends me an email and then like two days later, they're like, have you seen my email? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I have. But surprisingly, <laughs> 48 hours, you know, 48 hours isn't a long time. Yeah. Um, and I find, I personally find that very annoying as a business owner when people do that. 
it's right it's the it's the friday 5 40 p.m kind of emails and you're just like oh god this was a week ago wasn't it <laughs> you know, yeah, whatever I, exactly exactly and no one owes you anything you know no yeah. one owes you a reply no one yeah. owes you an acknowledgement like don't send them an essay they haven't got time to read that yeah. just a thanks just a link to an article something like that create a genuine try and create a genuine relationship there not everybody's going to respond and that's yeah. fine. But if you're not sending anything to anybody and you're wondering why you've got no business leads, that's why you've got no business leads because you're not putting yourself out there to, to get any. Yeah, that's great advice. I think that's probably going to be something we've caught up to use for uh, some of our videos as well. <laughs> but it's kind of true. You've got to put yourself out there. And, you know, I don't want to put this into full soundbite territory right now, Hannah, but, you know, I'm going to call you a good Samaritan on the entrepreneur, solopreneur space because, you know, last year and, and before, I believe, you've run accountability group sessions for other entrepreneurs. I mean, I know some of it, you said it was a way for you to stay on track and to keep yourself motivated and to obviously keep yourself going. But obviously, you had a number of different businesses and entrepreneurs come through your doors as well. You tell me maybe some of the kind of common issues that you saw coming up time and time again uh, from these entrepreneurs. You know, that could be anything from you know, lacking skills or uh, how they, you know, how they cope, you know, stress. I'm just interested to know kind of like, you know, what, what common things came up in these groups and you know, that, that maybe would be helpful to other entrepreneurs. Um, I think common things that come up when I'm speaking to um, business owners is really trying to work out what their boundaries are and and realizing that they can create their own rules and mm. just because somebody else in their space has eight social media channels and is bringing out two youtube videos a day or and all that kind of stuff you, it's yeah. really reminding them like why do you have your business what are the things in it that you enjoy doing just do those things because if you're yeah. turning up to work every day and you're like, oh, I've got to get another blog post done or I've got to make a YouTube video. Um, I'm thinking, well, why are you doing it? The whole benefit of being your own boss is you get to do stuff you like doing. Yes, there's stuff that you have to do that you don't like doing, like your tax return, you know, mm. or your VAT or, you know, general boring admin that we have to do as business owners. But the majority of your time should be spent doing stuff that you enjoy doing and if you're yeah. down this road where it's agony turning up for work every day it's you're creating your to-do list so yeah. take stuff off it um say no to stuff i think there's so much about like say yes and hustle hard i'm more like say no what would yeah. you if, if i was coming to you with this problem in my business what would you say to me and mm. often even just that question is if this was me saying I was having this problem in my business to you, what yeah. advice would you give me? Almost is like this like light bulb moment. And they go, well, I'd probably say you shouldn't be working 16 hour days. Or I'd probably say, um, you know, you need to stop trying to do so much. Or, I, you know, and I think that's a huge thing to, to realise that, oh, I could just not do that then. <laughs> Yeah, I think we, we do live almost in this kind of hustle culture where everybody is expected to be like the Gary V or the whatever, like 16 hours and full weekends. I know in China they do this kind of uh, what they call it 996 and it's like, you know, 12 hours a day, six days a week. And that's seen as like the norm and you're just like, you know, total burnout. You know, people are burning out. It's like the kind of whole 
yuppies thing of like the 80s as well kind of like happening but obviously in china now i think as well I, I guess you're able in a way to maybe help them articulate what their two or three priorities are that week to maybe get done i, I guess because sometimes it could be scatterbrained there could be so many things you want to do how, how did you help them refine what their priorities were so when i whenever i work with business owners one-on-one or in an accountability group always the first thing to do is the smart goals which i know is you know over over said and overused but it's that's because it's true creating specific measurable goals for your business breaking them down and then almost look almost looking at them every single day and saying am i doing what am i doing today to get closer to this goal Uh, it might be that you're only going to work on one of your goals that day or two of your goals but if you've got three goals in your business and you go a whole week and you haven't Mm made any action towards one of those you need to start questioning yourself as a business owner is that because I've tried to do too much or this goal isn't actually very important to me am I filling my days with stuff which isn't actually achieving any of these three goals but I think I should be doing it yeah Um, and it's just constant adjusting accordingly knowing what those goals are but being ready to change them remove them add a new one uh, and Sometimes you can kind of get bogged down in working in the business that you don't work on the business. And a lot of time of me is just asking people the question, what have you done on your goals this week? What are your plans to do on your goals next week? Is that still achievable? Is it something you really want to do? you know simple stuff like that really well i think you know that's what i love about the accountability group idea is you know this kind of peer-to-peer you know support because every, each of us needs to kick up the ass sometimes, you know, to do it if we sometimes lose the track of, of where we're supposed to be heading. So I think to have that, it keeps you on course, but also hopefully it means that you will get to some success or realize that you need to change course as well. So, yeah. And you, all... yeah, you're working with the peer to peer stuff's important because we've our minds skewed right people who are entrepreneurs our minds skewed like we can't do normal jobs we'd be terrible at them because we want to do our own thing and we you know we want to create our own visions of the future and and lots of people find that difficult to understand so being around people who understand just that mindset it doesn't matter if they work in a different industry or if they're at a different stage in their business to you or they even have different priorities outside work to you um, you know, like kids or they, they or whatever. It's yeah. it's you have the same mindset when it comes to your work and your and your business and your purpose. So mm. expressing your problems or ideas to people who have that same concept in their head of of how work is done often throws up so many useful advice and support and inspiration. And that's why accountability groups are so important. Yeah. And I guess as well, you know, uh, and we'll, we'll actually get onto this round in a few minutes in terms of, you know, books and resources and stuff like that. But I guess if one of you in the 10 person group reads one book and, you know, you, you, you pick out a really great quote or some action or something, you could share that with the group. And if you're all reading different books or whatever, you're able to kind of get to the good stuff. You're not out on your own. And I guess it's the same with, you know, how if people are having a bad day or a bad week, it's having somebody again to rely on, which, which I think is so strong, especially being a solopreneur or even the owner of a small business, a small team of people. Uh, you know, sometimes it can be that, that lonely journey. I, I'm interested as well, before we move on to our kind of like what we call our famous rapid fire round, uh, it doesn't have to be so rapid as well. Um, 
you know, what kind of extra things do you put into your life for a great work-life balance? I mean, you mentioned before that you want to get out early for a walk every day. I fully agree. I've been doing that a lot over the last few months. It's really made a big difference. You know, you don't work weekends, you say, you finish at six. But what other things are you trying to do? Even this could be in a post, uh, sorry, in a pre-COVID world. What sort of things do you put in to have a better work-life balance? Um, I, I volunteer a lot uh, mm. as well which I can imagine, I think when people are starting their business, they think they've got no time for anything else. But I find volunteering is really important for me. It's part of my values as a B Corp business, which is giving back uh, to your community uh, through pro bono work. And I volunteer in a sector that isn't um, relevant to my business. No one knows no, no, uh, where I volunteer. I, I'd use a completely different skill set. And... Yeah. That gets me doing something not focused on my business three times a week, mm. which almost is a reminder, like there's a life outside work, like no one actually yeah. cares about this. <laughs> we're, we're caring about something else now. Um, yeah. So I find volunteering for me, I, I almost get more from it than the mm. other way around. So I, I volunteer um, outside of work and you know, I've got friends who I do stuff with and we don't talk about what I do as a job or what they do as a job. A lot of my friends are entrepreneurs and run their own businesses and we do talk about that. But we yeah. also talk about other stuff and I have a partner. And if I think no. if I talk to him about sustainability metrics and B Corp, <laughs> you know, and sustainable development goals yeah, every yeah. night, he just doesn't care. You know, he does care, but he's like, you know, can we talk about something else? Can we stick Netflix on? Can we play a game of Scrabble? You know, yeah, yeah. And it, it's making sure you're keeping yourself surrounded with a big bunch of people who love you, love your business, but they have relationship with you beyond that. You oh, know? yeah. It makes so much sense. My wife's glazed over every time I've you know, mentioned what I'm doing for about 15 years now. You know, there's, there's absolutely nowhere, no, no room or interest in a nice as possible way as well. <laughs> so. well well, yeah, that's it. I mean, I woke up early this morning and started to research maternity leave um, and statutory leave in the UK and was yeah. so angry by the time I woke my partner up with a cup of tea. It was like the worst. He's telling me what he dreamt about last night. And I was talking about this is ridiculous. Women don't, you know, so and his face was just like, I mean, this is an important issue, but it's seven o'clock in the morning. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I was hoping maybe you'd brought the newspaper and some coffee or something yeah. in or, or whatever that kind of dream kind of uh, family lifestyle is that we, we that we all hope for. Right. Amazing. I think there's so many great tips there as well, Hannah, in terms of how, you know, we would be able to help other entrepreneurs and solopreneurs just approach, you know, how they would run a business to know that, it's not all just one way of, of obviously how to run a successful business as well. Right, rapid fire round. Okay. Can be rapid. You can add a little bit of sizzle to it here. But, a, uh, you know, let, let's kind of cover some of these cool things here. So tell me, in your own words, who are your favorite entrepreneurs and why? Oh, God. Uh, I would say the entrepreneurs that I know. So people like you, people like Jonas, who I think you've had on the podcast. Um, Joe from VO, all, all the people in my accountability group. And yeah. they're my favorites because they're just getting on with it and doing it. And they, I, I find, I love it when people have a passion in what they do. So yeah. my favorite, I could list a list of people, but you wouldn't know who any of them are. As far as like <laughs> famous, famous uh, people that people listening to the podcast will probably have heard of is I like 
Tim Ferriss and how he um, how he interviews other uh, other business owners and almost really finds out like what their morning routine is and or you know yeah. it's again going back to that voyeuristic like wanting to understand how other people's minds work I find super interesting so I like listening to that podcast but I have to dip in and out because you know I'm not into this like it's hustle very long as stuff. well <laughs> sometimes if you go for like three hours and you go well that goes my afternoon but exactly yeah. exactly so I like kind of dipping into his stuff but I I, I like um people who have quite a holistic view to how they run their businesses so uh, I like um, the minimalists and Cal Newport, yeah. who's a computer science um, professor in the States and how he talks about deep work. I find his, yeah. a lot of the stuff that he talks about super interesting. Yeah. I think I actually listened to him on Tim Ferriss years ago as well. That's usually how I find out about people is through the Tim Ferriss show as well. <laughs> so it's, it's quite interesting. So no, they're, they're good points. I don't think, I think everybody's actually come on so far as being able to give real people, but also then a couple of people out as well. And, and again, Tim Ferriss is, is very popular. Who's your most inspiring person in the world and why? Mm. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, oh, I, I would say anyone who's trying to do their own thing when you're being told otherwise, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. because, because it, that, I think that's quite a difficult thing to do. Anyone who's got the guts to go out and, and try and create their own thing in the full knowledge that it might not be the thing that makes them a million pounds. You know, we're not all going to be billionaires like Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Um, but you're still going out and, and you're still trying to create a life full of stuff that you love doing. I've got a lot yeah. of respect for basically anyone doing that is like top on my list of amazing people. And from a point of view of people that are rallying people together and trying to make systemic change, uh, I would say, you know, Greta Thunberg is like the the obvious, like, look what a schoolgirl can do in just a year. Yeah. David Attenborough, you know, yeah. those those big, are my sort of... My kids watch, you know, they're really into all the Attenborough shows and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, and I quite like, weirdly, I'm re quite like Prince Charles, like the royal family. I did a tourism degree, yeah. so there was a lot of talk about, like... The royal family is really important for the UK for so many reasons, but one of them is tourism. But then I like the fact he's used his platform to to really try and push a lot of environmental and social change. So regardless yeah. of what your thoughts are on, you know, should we have a royal family? Um, yeah. The fact that he's got that platform and he's using it to try and make really big changes in the world when it comes to, you know, our planet, I think is commendable. Yeah. Okay. Great. Very on brand here as well, which is what I like to hear. As well. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very good. Um, if somebody wanted to start a business, run a business, grow a business, what are maybe some of the top business books or online resources you'd maybe point them towards? You know, it doesn't have to be a full library, but maybe just a a few that you'd say you should definitely go and buy that or or, or hunt it out. I would say um, I've got over there. I've got the Lean Startup, which I found really useful i think that's quite a nice one to to dip your toe into to find out how to start your own your own business i think there's a lot of resources online in regards to you know the small business networks where they're telling you know the legalities of you know setting up a limited company and all that kind of stuff yeah. um 
I mean, the internet's there. I just, you know, what do I say? Like Google, like go on Google. Probably the first two pages of Google are going to have whatever answer you have when it's when starting you, <laughs> when yeah, starting you your own business. You know, I don't even got to click in anymore with Google. You know, the shysters. They're literally just like, you know, we're going to keep you on Google because they obviously just display it all in like a preview now. Yeah, which is crazy. I would say it's just define what problem you think you're trying to solve and who your customer is, and then try to think about like where is that customer and what are they yeah. doing okay i think that's very good again very very nice to hear and if you could you know we don't try to look back here you know in in terms of you know life you know obviously we're all entrepreneurs we look forward uh, but the next couple of questions i think the first one i want to ask you is what would you do more of if you could do it all over again you know what what that could be potentially something that would help grow your business or something you would enjoy more you know, what what could you do more of that you've done in the past mm, i would definitely spend let i would say no to more projects that i've worked on for other people i think i think i've allowed myself to be distracted working on other people's passion projects when I think I should have probably been working on my own. And mm. that again comes from, you know, scarcity, like worrying about your finances and how the bills are going to get paid. Um, and I feel like perhaps if I'd a bit earlier on invested more time into my own skills, then the money would have started to come from them a lot earlier. Yeah. Earlier on in the journey. And if there was one thing that you probably could do over and over again each day to grow your business, what do you think that would be? You know, like if you were literally just said, look, you do 10, 15 things, but what would be the number one thing that would help you get to your goals quicker? What, what would that be? The num I would plan your day. It's boring, isn't it? Plan your day. <laughs> like yeah. it's been this year I've, I've mixed it up and rather than just writing it down, I, it's in my Google calendar and it's written down. So I've almost needed that like double hit of like, this is what you need to do. Yeah. But scheduling because tracking your time it's so easy to, for your time to just completely get lost on emails or what you feel is important work and you'll have spent a whole day not going anywhere towards your goals so really map out what your goals are and then every single day make sure you're asking yourself the question what am i doing for those goals today what gives you your motivation on a daily basis well i want to change the world so <laughs> i want to make it i want to make it really easy for everybody to live a positive life in in regards to i don't think it should be difficult for for me to go to the supermarket and buy stuff that isn't wrapped in plastic i don't think it should be difficult for me to find a bank that doesn't uh, invest in fossil fuels i don't think it should be difficult for me just as a general person living in the world to live an environmentally friendly life so yeah. the only way that's going to change is if businesses start acting better so that it's easier for us as customers to buy easily and affordably stuff that is good for the planet and if the gov the government needs to start changing the law so that it's law for businesses to act yeah. in a better way at the moment you know there's so many laws that make it really easy for businesses to take advantage and then it's really difficult for us as customers to make ethical choices so yeah yeah that's that sounds that, that's a meaty enough uh, problem to get yourself out of bed every morning. <laughs> I remember when I was running my beer tourism out, you know, 
my, my biggest problem I should solve was could I help people find great places for beer when they were on holiday? So, uh, but you, you were making sure people were having experiences that they could remember for a lifetime. Like, that's important. That's I, I think what's, what's frustrating for me is, like, there seems to have been the last... I don't know how... Who's brainwashed into us thinking as people that, like, it's our responsibility to make choices. And I think yeah. to an extent, even with David Attenborough documentaries, it's like, you know, it's your responsibility, mm. you know, to make the choices. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, but, you know, the government you, and businesses oh. are making it really hard for you to make good choices. You know, when Tesco's selling all its fruit and veg at a loss so that you come in and buy other stuff from them and it's yeah. much cheaper to shop from there than from an independent greengrocer in your town for exactly the same food, what choice are people going to make? Obviously, Tesco's. And then, you know... Yeah, so it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. It like, like you said, even about the plastic issue, you know, it's exceptionally difficult to actually not, you know, like buy anything with plastic. If there was some government uh, decree or, you know, there is some kind of movement towards this about changing it, I'm sure we would all pay a small amount more to be able to kind of make real change, you know, because that would, that's just what the prices would be. It would be a normal new price in terms of paying for those carrots or whatever. But there has to be some movement. I think probably since World War Two, there has just been this kind of general zapping out of the consumer out of the equation. It's more just like, you know, and, and more like mass production, you know, like let's, you know, I won't go on all day here. And we've only got a short amount of time. But <laughs> for me, it's a passionate thing as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, we all want to live in a better life that just makes sense. You know, I want our kids to be actually being able to kind of go out and, 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 and do stuff on a daily basis when they're spending their consumer cash and it's making a difference as well as they're getting the product they want. It's not a rich people's game. You know, people are making out being environmentally friendly is easy for the middle classes because they can afford to shop zero waste or pay a premium price for um, environmentally friendly products. But I'm saying, why are we selling the non-environmentally friendly products anyway? Like, why is yeah. that stuff all coming wrapped in plastic? If it's like plastic bags, the minute they started charging 5p, plastic bag usage went down 90%. You know, yeah. so as consumers, we were like, oh, we see why you've made the change. It's the law. The change has happened. We're now all doing something better. And, that, and yeah. that's what's frustrating for me when, when I'm being told, like, well, you just make the change or you just spend more money. And I'm thinking, no, you make the change. Make it easy <laughs> like, and, and make it cheaper well, for me true. to be environmentally yeah. friendly. Give me an incentive exactly. to be environmentally friendly. Uh, well, you know, we're going to share details about your business at the end of this show. So I'm hoping for this, we'll get a load more people interested in signing up as well <laughs> to support this journey as well. Um, you must have something here. Now, this is a question uh, which, which stumps a few of our guests, but actually they do come out with something good. So tell us a funny anecdote or something that's happened to you during your days as, a, as an entrepreneur. You know, just just one you, funny thing. There's... I'm sure you've got hundreds, but I'm very interested to know, like, you know, what, what you know, what's come up that's just been incredibly strange, you know, and funny on a on a daily basis while while you've been an entrepreneur. Um I'll tell I, I don't know if this is relevant, but I'll, I'll tell you anyway. Um I when I was younger, I got auditioned to be on uh, Funhouse. I don't know if anyone listening to this is old enough to remember Funhouse, but it was when children's TV was only a couple of hours a, a day. So it was like everyone yeah. watched the same shows. And it was a big kids' I, TV show. I was a show. big fan. Huge Pat Sharp fan. with his mullet and everything. Yeah, yeah. So I 
I auditioned to be on it at secondary school. I didn't get in. I was very upset. Uh, Stuart Dempsey and Hannah Woods managed to go and it got free wallets. I was incredibly damn jealous. Them. Damn, damn them. them, if you're listening, damn you both. And then when I started to become an entrepreneur, one thing I learned very early on is um, if you don't ask, you don't get. And I yeah. became very used to being fine, sending an email, asking a question, getting no's, because the more time you get told no, the less it bothers you. The less it bothers you. Um, it was my friend's um, Hindu. We were going to an 80s weekend doing Butlins. Pat Sharp was DJing. It was, she <laughs> loves Pat Sharp. She loves Pat Sharp. You know, she's, she's yeah, a yeah. DJ and she's obsessed with music and she just loves Pat Sharp. So that was the whole reason we're going to this Butlins weekender. Um, I emailed Pat Sharp and said, you know, this is the story. We'd really love to meet you. It would be amazing. And uh, he was like, yeah, totally. Like, here's my mobile number. Give me a text when you're when you're at the side of the stage. And you can come backstage and meet me. And I was like, yes. So we kept this secret the whole weekend. It was a Sunday night. We went to go see Pat Sharp. And um, I said to my friend, oh, just you can come to the toilet with me. And she's like, no, he's about to start. Like, I'm not leaving. Managed to drag her and everybody else was in on it. Got backstage, went around the corner. And I think one of the highlights, and I've, done, I've worked with a lot of famous people, but one of yeah. the highlights for me was walking around the corner and Pat Sharp going, Hannah Cox and my friend fainting <laughs> on the floor because she just didn't know what the hell was going on. And yeah. it, I would say like that's it's not relevant to like my business, but it was definitely this mindset of, do you know what? The worst yeah. thing he's going to do is not reply to my email and not meet me. But he gave me probably a memory that will last me a lifetime don't ask you don't get you don't I, 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 it's so true though in life isn't it you know you gotta do it because yeah that, that that is a good anecdote i'll quite happily take that as well, <laughs> okay. down there, as well we're gonna do a compilation of some of these as well at a later date so uh, yeah keep an eye out for that as well um as an entrepreneur what ultimately does success mean to you um Initially, success meant to me waking up every day doing a job I love and still being able to pay the bills. I've got a bit older now and I've got bigger bills I want to be paying um, and bigger things that I want to be changing. I think what gets me up in the morning every day and makes me do what I want to do is because I really believe in, I really believe we can make a change. I've seen other people on social media and build, on social media making change, building businesses making change and that's what gets me up every day to, to do yeah and for anybody else who was thinking about starting their own business you know thinking maybe having a tough time running their business if what sort of advice would you give to them um send me an email i'll have a chat with you anytime um <laughs> i have tuesday mornings and friday afternoons book in let's have a chat go. let's have a cup of tea it's probably not as bad as you think uh you probably can do the thing you want to be doing um and if you need someone to uh, give you some support there, just get in, like, get in touch with me. I'm happy to always do that anyway. Um, and I think just remember that there's different ways in which you can achieve it and it doesn't need to happen overnight and it's not going to happen overnight anyway. So you look at your basic needs. I mean, Subkits talks about this in, in your newsletters of our like, basic yeah. needs before everything else. And, if you start to try and change your mindset about what your basic needs are and what would be the worst case scenario if something didn't work, you know, my business at the beginning of last year, I lost a ton of money. I had no money to pay the bills. Um, I was embarrassed that my and, you know, a year on I'm paying the bills. Everything's fine. I've managed to work it out. 
and I had to go through that process to get here. Um, It's never as bad as you think. And as long as you're going in the right direction, you'll be all right. I think as well, I think that's a really refreshing attitude as well. That's definitely coming to us more in the UK as well over the last, say, five, you know, probably last five or 10 years. You know, in America, I remember it always used to be very healthy to fail to actually be like, right, that was an amazing experience. Now time to put a line, you know, with the sand behind that. Now it's time to get on with something else and learn from those experiences. I think we're getting much better at that as well in terms of just realizing and processing it. It's painful sometimes at the time or it's difficult, but there is that kind of fire in your belly that comes back when you're there like, right, the next big idea is here. One day I'm going to crack it as well. So cool. And, you know, I don't want to sound like this is some job interview, but, you know, where do you kind of hope that you'll be in the next few years for your business? You know, what would be the dream outcome? The dream outcome for my business is to build the better business network internationally. So to create global change in how businesses set up, structure themselves and measure their social and environmental impact. And I would like that to, rather than be the outlier of how businesses are run, actually be the basis of how businesses decide to run themselves. I want to see systemic change in government to make that possible. And I want to see um, people like feel that there's hope and light at the end of the tunnel um, when it comes to things like that, because we can make changes. So yeah, five years time, nothing big. I want to have an international business and have changed government policy in the UK for systemic change across social and environmental issues. <laughs> hey, why not aim big? And you know, why you've not? got a fan here why as well. Not? Why not? Exactly. You've, you've never got a day when you come in and go, oh, I don't think I can work on this today. So no, very, very cool. And um, just to wrap up, uh, remind everybody where they can get in touch with you. So my website is better not stop. It's the same, uh, handle across all channels um so you can get hold of me on there sign up to my newsletter or just reach out and send me an email and i help businesses become b corp certified i offer business support and i run the better business network hannah cox of better not stop thanks very much for joining us on the go solo show today Uh, have a great rest of the day cheers thank you see you soon Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit. We hope you've had a great time and picked up many new ideas for your own business. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at team underscore go solo. If you're inspired to get started on your own enterprise yourself, then check us out at subkit.com. We're here for whenever you're ready. I've been Johnny Quirk, and until next time, keep winning.